Um, so good morning. I was in the car uh, with, with Nathan a couple uh, weeks ago. I think we were coming back from um, baseball practice or a game or something like that. And, you know, like, like a lot of kids, right, the car is really a time when some of the, the good questions come out, right? And uh, I don't know what was going through his mind that particular day. And I can't remember exactly how he asked me the question, but the, the gist of his question was basically like, why did Eve sin and mess this up for the rest of us? Like, it's, it was Eve's fault, right? And I was like, well, that's a very timely question, bud. We're right in the middle of a series about manhood and womanhood, and so I got to take the time to explain to him that, yeah, Eve sinned, but, you know, Adam was there, and, and he should have stood up for his wife. He should have fought for his wife, and, and you're not going to be a passive man like Adam was, you know, and trying to get him started on the right track in life of being a, a godly man and just thought I, like, nailed that conversation, right? Like, he for sure, this was going to, he was going to look back, you know, 10 years from now and be like, that time in the car with dad when I was five changed the trajectory of my life, right? And so after I'm done, like, saying all this stuff, I look back at him and I said, so what, what do you think, bud? And he kind of looks at me and he goes, huh, and then just looks out the window and <laughs> what comes next. And I said, okay, well, you know, at least, at least I tried, right? At least I tried. Um, and so I was reminded in that, in that little interaction uh, with my boy that our journey to manhood uh, our journey into uh, the life that God has called us into requires much more than one conversation, right? Or one event or one experience. It is a journey, right? But it has to start at some point. We have to start the conversation. So hopefully it was a little seed planted with him. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, that's kind of like what we're doing in this series, right? Like there's so much depth here. There's so much meat that we could, we could get into and, 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 just, and just, you know, jewels that we could mine and all that God has for us as men, but this is kind of like a kickstart conversation for us, right? So my challenge to you men uh, as, we, as we talk today about uh, our redemption is, and we kind of pivot from and leave the man uh, section of this series and start focusing on uh, womanhood next week, is that we wouldn't just leave this as a sermon series that we never come back to, right? That men, that we would continue to have these conversations together in our times together, in our life groups, whatever it may be, that we may not just leave these principles and these ideas uh, as just a sermon series, but that we would, we would own them and we would own them together, right? So we are wrapping up uh, the men's portion, and we're going to have a little discussion uh, this morning. Some panel uh, folks are going to come up, and we're going to kind of talk through how God is shaping and, and molding uh, their lives through these um, things we've been talking about uh, during this series. But first, I just wanted to take a few minutes uh, to look at our redemption and how, how the gospel is really what does shape and mold us and enables us as men to start walking in the design that God has for us. So we're just going to look at, at four uh, brief things this morning about how the gospel helps us in this journey of manhood, and then the, the um, panel folks are going to come up and we're going to start chatting a little bit. Um, so just, just four brief ideas for us this morning. Uh, the first is that we have been called from death into life right? Like, this is the heart of, of the gospel, that God has breathed his spiritual breath into us, and he's brought us from death into life. And we read about this in, verse, in uh, verses like Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, that we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, out of his love and mercy for us, has made us alive. He's breathed his spiritual life into us. And I was thinking, like, even, even the fact that we are have any interest in spiritual rea realities, that we have any interest in, in taking this journey of becoming the man that God wants us to be is evidence that God has sparked that life in you, that he has breathed spiritual life into you, that his grace 
is on your life. He has called you men from death into life. And then secondly, we know from uh, verses like 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we are positionally perfect, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that um, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the great exchange, right? This is, this is when Jesus is on the cross, right? All of our sin, even our shortcomings and our failures of, uh, as men have been placed on Jesus. And all of God's wrath and anger towards those things has been emptied on him. He takes our sin, and the great exchange is that we get his perfection. We get his righteousness, right? His perfect life, his perfect obedience is imputed onto us so that when the, when the Father looks at us, he sees us as perfect through what Jesus has done. And this is huge for us as men, right? Because it's, it's because that is true that we, we know that we can't earn God's approval or love for us. Like it's only through what Jesus did that we can come to the Father. And so we, we get to sit under this grace that God has given us. So we, we know we are uh, positionally perfect because of what Jesus has done for us. And then thirdly, we know that we are, we are no longer slaves to sin. There's a passage in Romans uh, 6 I wanted to read for us uh, this morning. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. So did you hear what that just said, men? We have been crucified with Christ. We have been raised to life with him, which means the end result of that is that sin has no dominion over us anymore. It's through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can begin to say no to the sin in our lives. If you look, think back to what Dave covered last week, when we feel this selfish aggression or this selfish um, passivity rising up in us, we can say no to those things. We can turn from them and we can fight. 
We can get up and we can fight for our wives, for our children, for this church, or for whatever else God has us walking in. We have the power to say no to the sin that tries to pull us away from our design that God would have us walk in. And then lastly, we, we strive ahead. Uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this, Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So although we are positionally perfect in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, right? Like on the ground in the day-to-day life, like we are still going to stumble. We are still going to come up short of the, of the goal that, and, the, and the threshold that God has set for us as godly men, what he wants us to be. But this verse says that when that happens, right, we don't just sit there and say, I'm never going to be able to do this. But in the power of the gospel, we get up, we confess our sin, we, we repent and we turn away from what's behind and we strive to what is ahead of us, to this upward call that we have in Christ Jesus as godly men. And so it's the gospel that enables and empowers us to live into this, this good and right and beautiful design that God has for us as men. Not some like white-knuckled behavioral modification, self-help, here's your 10 ways to become a better man approach, but we understand the weight and the magnitude of the gospel and how that frees us to pursue this life that God wants us to live. And so with all that in mind, we're going to take some time, rather than coming up with examples of how that may work out uh, in real life, we're going to have some panel contestants come on up, and we're going to have them tell us how God's working in, in their lives and uh, how he's shaping and, and molding them in these things. So you come on, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for being able to, willing and able to be with us this morning. Uh, I thought we could start by just, just introducing yourself and kind of where uh, God has you on your, your journey of, of manhood. So, Tom, you can go first. I'm Tom. About, from a manhood perspective, I, I just really feel like God's been uh, leading me to step up as a man, as a father, as a husband in the last few years. Um, so I feel like maybe if you'd asked me this five years ago, I wouldn't have been as um, confident or as strong about my position, but I just feel like Jesus has been really uh, speaking to my life, and um, yeah, that's kind of where I am overall. Hello, I'm, I'm James Wilson. Uh, I am 30, almost. <laughs> uh, we've got three kids, uh, two, two girls, five and three, and, and then a newborn boy, so uh, we're just figuring out parenting and uh, just what that looks like, just serving the Lord in, in the everyday. So. And he's the best dressed on the panel this morning. <laughs> Good morning. I'm uh, Jeff Wilkins. Um, I'm actually also 42, so I kind of give Tom run for his money. But um, I'm, you know, husband, uh, father. Uh, certainly continue to work together with Amber to raise up our, our kids and kind of teach them um, what it means to to love Jesus. And um, I kind of take that a step further too with being an uncle too. And um, I've got little eyes with you know three nephews and three nieces as well, that um, I can walk alongside their dads to help them raise up their kids as well. My name is Dave Warshaw. I am significantly younger than everyone else here. Uh, I'm going to turn 20 in a few months, so um, much younger. I do not have, well... That's half of 40, isn't it? That's yeah, it's okay. less than half okay. of 40. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, I am in college. I'm living at home with my family. Um, so it looks different for me, obviously, in a lot of ways. But um, I think, you know, God's been challenging me to, okay, how can I, it's really easy for me to get overwhelmed with school and just kind of ignore my family and not spend time with my siblings and not, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in a position to be able to encourage my younger sister and, you know, similar, my niece um, spends a lot of time over at my house and so just trying to figure out, okay, how can I pour into their lives in a way that is encouraging and meaningful? Um, so, Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so the first question I want to kind of talk about and consider is, you know, we, we all have a lot of different things that shape and influence us, you know, in our early years and even into adulthood. And so if you guys could just share about maybe some of those things that, that shaped and molded your definition of, of manhood and, and how that compares to the biblical definition and, and some of the things we've been covering this series for, for what God's design is for us as men. Yeah, yeah I'll go first. Um, yeah, so I think for me, um, you know, it's not hard to be influenced away from biblical manhood, especially just growing up and living in this world. I remember, you know, being a high schooler on my soccer team and getting on all these social media sites, and there's just so much... There's so much just kind of garbage that's really easy, and it's not that, like, and, like, I was, like, all for it. You know, I was engaging in it. And um, so those are a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of that going through high school. And I think, um, actually, to counter that, I mean, I've had, I, I think here I've had a lot of really wonderful um, godly influences. I think of, you know, Tom is my life group leader. Um, so it's wonderful getting to spend time with him. James has been discipling me. He's doing all right. <laughs> no, no he's, he's great. Um, it's, yeah, 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 right. 6.2 out of 10. You know, just, you know, not, not shabby. Seeing if I can trade up, but, you know, no, no, kidding. Um, so it's been really, it's been wonderful for me. I mean, but in all seriousness, it's been great for me. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to be, go to James' house and, you know, we'll go over some evangelism stuff and some discipleship kind of stuff, and then I get to stay for dinner, and I get to see how he and Allison are very intentional about the way that they are raising their two children. And, you know, it's not just, oh, we got these kids. I guess we should, like, feed them and clothe them. And, you know, like, no, like, they are doing, they're very intentional about training them in the way that they should go. And that is, like, whoa, that's really cool, you know, for me. Um, and similar with Tom. Of course, I don't get to eat dinner with Tom as often, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one time was great. So anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think for me, it's been amazing having um, these older guys here, um, I don't mean older in a bad way, who I can look up to and learn from. So <laughs> I'm going to pass the mic. <laughs> So I, when I think about this question, I've had so many positive influences in my life with different men and um, just people that have, have poured into my life and helped me get to where I am today. And um, The two that I think of um, certainly early, earlier on in life is my dad. Um, I wouldn't be who I am today, the man I am today, without my, my dad's example, um, seeing how he treated my mom, how he sacrificed for my mom, um, did things for her and just just modeling what a good husband means and um, certainly listening to, to Mike's message about how you know he was the coach for his sons and that my dad was the same thing you know he was there for every practice he was there for every game never missed a moment that 
was important to us growing up, and I think that's important as a father to be there, to be present for your kids, and um, to be, you know, involved in what they're doing and what they care about, and to teach them along the way. And the things that he taught me through his words were were powerful, but I think even greater was the actions and how he, you know, stood stood up as a man and, and took the responsibility to to show me what it means to be a dad. And um, I, I think of one example. Um, I remember talking with my mom. Um, you know, I, I noticed my dad wasn't getting the promotion at work, and I asked her, you know, I was probably about 12 or so, I said, you know, how come dad hadn't gotten the promotion I think he deserves? He says, well, he's not, you know, that's not too important to him, you know, and, and I realized as I got older that the promotion wasn't important to him when it came to raising us up and raising the family. The family is more important than the promotion, and just thinking of what the priorities are um, as a dad and as a husband. Uh, the second one I, I think of is um, later on in life is my uh, father-in-law who um, you know, we lost last year, but um, just his example too. I mean, both my dad and him, great men, humble servants, and you know, the, the two examples of him, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly learning from him still, even though he's not here with us, and um, just the things that he's, he's done for my mother-in-law and you know, learning more about that and um, he was part of the, a group called Kingdom Builders. It was a group of men that got together, had breakfast every morning and would go out and build um, handicap ramps for the elderly and people that couldn't get, get around and get in their houses. So just serving others and, and having a purpose to, to do something for others um, was, was a great example. And I think that the greatest uh, thing that I've kind of seen uh, with hearing some things from other people is that you know, he was technically uh, Amber's stepdad, but he didn't see it that way. He, he considered um, Amber and her brother Clifton as his kids, like, you're my own, you're like my own children, and that's how he treated them. And just seeing that as a reflection of how God sees us, you know, you're my children, and, you know, you, I'd love you unconditionally, and that's basically how they treated them. So I've got some awesome examples, like I said, but those two are the ones that come to mind. Jesus. Um, no. <laughs> my, my, my dad as well. Um, I come from a, a very crummy lineage of men. Um, my, my, one of my, my dad's dad walked out on, on my grandma and was unfaithful to her. And my mom's dad was a pedophile. And so um, just both of them caused a lot of hurt. Um, and and so when my parents came together, uh, my, my dad really led the charge in, okay, we're going to hold tightly to God's word, that we are, um, we're going we're gonna to do that, and, you know, it's going to be kind of us and Jesus against the world, and um, I think he did it in a, in a very uh, kind of hard-line way, um, which I guess needed to be done, um, but, uh, but um, you know, he's, I mean, he's, continue to do that. Um, you know, it's maybe softened a little bit as he's grown up, um, you know, just relationally, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's definitely the most influential man in my life. And, um, yeah, he's, he's the, the number two behind Jesus. <laughs> I was going to use that one actually. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I took this question a little bit differently. I, I was thinking like, growing up, who was my role model? And it was my dad, just like these guys. Um, but my role model wasn't good. So um, 
going back and, and uh, recently, I would say my role model have been the other guys, some of them up here, um, who have been my role models. Um, so, yeah, growing up, we like uh, James's family, my lineage comes from basically adultery, constantly. Um, my own my own family, my dad, and then my grandfather, um, and secrets and lies and and uh, so that's kind of where I'm coming from and uh, coming in and just that's who I probably that probably shaped me and framed me who I was for the first 35 years of my life and um, I, I knew Christ and I just wasn't walking with Him um, too much until you know I I came to this church and then I and I met the other guys and I saw how they interact with each other. I see how they, the men interact with their kids. And um, yeah, so I would say my role models have, have, have shifted from directly from the bad um, male experiences in my, in my past. Not that it was horrible. I didn't suffer from abuse or anything. I mean, there's definitely people who had worse off than me. Um, but just that, that distance, that controlling aspect, the, the compartmentalizing family and, and what, you know, your sin doesn't, you know, anyways. So that's kind of how I took it with this question. And, um, you know, certainly Christ, as James said, has, has, has influenced me um, also in the last five years. So, Awesome. It's amazing to think how the, the gospel can break into those, you know, the lineages, like you're saying, and, and just completely change that trajectory for, for the, what comes next, right? That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so the next question to, to think about is what, um, you know, what kind of struggles or, or challenges have, have you encountered uh, in your pursuit of, of being a godly man, and, and how have you like found the encouragement to to step through those, um, you know, and, and kind of get get past them and to the other side and into what God has for you? Yeah. So uh, continuing from what I was just saying, um, to me, a lot of the, the struggles I've had with being a man has been um, being. I think Dave Ferguson had like a slide. It's like too controlling versus passive. I'm clearly on the too controlling end, and just. Uh, there was a verse that kind of struck me. I don't, I don't know if Julian gave it in one of his sermons, but Ephesians 6, 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Um, instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. So that kind of hit me for two reasons. The, the controlling aspect and, and frustrating my children. Um, I've, been, I've been like sort of in the controlling end, even recently, sort of just trying to control everything, micro, my, you know, micro-manage everything about them. And that's just sort of my personality. And that's sort of what I, you know, grew up with to some degree. Um, and also, really, really hit me uh, recently, even hanging out with James and Allison, and, and seeing how Dave and Julian and Jason kind of treat their own families. Like just bringing our children up in the Lord and, and the Eric. It's like we, I was sort of ignoring bringing up my children and training them, and it kind of relying on the children's ministry or other people to sort of build into my kids, bring them to church, and like, oh, well, I've I've done the teaching for them. This is enough, right? But that's not not enough. Um, so really that father aspect has been really, really hitting me lately, and uh, that's what I've been challenged by, but also encouraged by recently. I mean, I, I, I think the fact that children's ministry was sort of canceled with COVID actually ended up helping me and helped me understand that I need to step up as a father and as a husband to be the spiritual leader of the family. Um, when that happens, things go better. It's just the way, it, that's we're, the way we're designed. That's how God created us. Um, and that leadership and stepping up there, uh, it's just has really, um, I feel like, blessed our family. Been, and I'm still struggling with that. I mean, it's still something controlling. doesn't just go away. Um, but, yeah, God's renewing me daily with that. And so, yeah, that's my story. Yeah, yeah, kind of um, along the same lines of, of what I was talking about earlier, just because of my grandparents, my, my 
dad was was really good at circling the wagons you know kind of you know we're going to be in here and you know we're going to keep everyone out and um you know we're going to be following the lord um at least that's what i you know saw yeah sure as a as a child um and um and so yeah i i struggle with that of you know feeling like i'm i'm keeping everyone at arms arms length and just kind of trust issues probably um i don't know uh, <laughs> um, but I, I did have a lot of, of bitterness towards my dad growing up, um, just feeling like, man, he was just more of a, more of a pastor than a father. Um, that's that's kind of how I kind of quantify it. Um, and, you know, felt like there was a disconnect relationally. And it wasn't until I surrendered my life to the Lord where I really had this perspective of, oh, man, like, if I, if my dad's going to be passionate about something, I'm grateful that it's the Lord. You know, I'm grateful that it's things that matter eternally and not, um, you know, alcohol or women or pleasure or whatever. Um, and so, so it gave me this perspective. And I think that's, that's really when I came, you know, to, to recognize the intimacy, well, began to recognize the intimacy of God. But there was about there's about 10 years um, where my relationship with the Lord was, was um, lacked intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it, it wasn't until going to Germany. So my wife and I, we spent a year, a year in Germany and um, pursuing a music career, and it was uh, a desert. <laughs> it was... It was um, you know, just very emotionally difficult. And, um, you know, when I look at God's word and I look at kind of how he prepares people, uh, specifically, you know, men and his people, you know, with, with Abraham and the Israelites and um, uh, King David and obviously Jesus, you know, he brings them into this desert and, and this, you know, time of, of really needing to depend on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that was that was Germany for us, and and just to kind of look at a verse that was that was very impactful for us um, was in Hosea. Um, so kind of context of Hosea, you know, he's a he's a minor prophet. You know, how sad, um, <laughs> just the minor one. <laughs> and and, uh, and God, he's, he's says, here all week, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be here all week. God tells him, uh, you know, marry a harlot, you know, marry a, a, a woman of the night and, um, and wanting to show God's love for, for his people by this example. So Hosea marries her. She continues to be unfaithful and God continues to say, you know, bring her back, draw her back. Yeah. And so, um, so Hosea 2, uh, verses 14 through 17, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, I will bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the day of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me husband and will, and will no longer call me master. Just the intimacy you know, I yeah, I'd been a, a believer for ten years, mm-hmm. and I had never called the Lord with that kind of intimacy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was always master. You know, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I will do what God wants, 
I will, you know, submit to him, but there was no intimacy yeah. until he brought us to a place of just desperation of, you know, what if, how, how will I live if you do not intervene? Um, and that, that is, um, yeah, just the, the journey of that, that, yeah, I was a believer, but for 10 years, you yeah. know, it, it really wasn't until a few years. So I thought of a couple things with this question. Um, first thing I was thinking about was priorities. Um, and I you know, think of the priorities being with uh, work, uh, God, you know, family, work. And when I was single, it was God and work. So um, it's, it hasn't necessarily changed with setting the priorities in the right order, but um, I've certainly fell into some situations in life where I've allowed work to become the priority. And uh, a few, few verses that I, I like to remind myself of is, um, first is in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, is whatever you do, work at it all with, or work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying to win the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, so I, I work in a demand, like Eric and Mike, I work in construction, it's very demanding, and um, it, it could take a lot of your time. And, um, you know, bosses want you to do this and that to get things done, and sometimes the culture is that, you know, sometimes you have to work later and weekends, and that becomes a regular thing. And um, I was talking to one of my coworkers, and she was like, you know, I've kind of come to realize that it's okay for me to, you know, not, you know, miss my kid's dance recital or, you know, game because I've got to stay for work or I've got to do, do this event or that, and, my, you know, they've got these things scheduled after work because you can't fit them in the, in the work day. And my response to that is, you know, that's not as important as, the, you know, like I said earlier with what I learned from my dad, you know, going to the game, being there because, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, Silas is going to remember, like, dad picked work over my game, and I, I don't want to be that type of dad that misses the, the important things. And um, the other thing I was thinking of is just my selfishness and kind of wanting that me time. And I remember um, Eric and I had a conversation once about, you know, being a dad and how dads don't get a break and how, how true that is. You know, you work, you know, a long day at work and then you go home. And I kind of call it, you know, it's the second job, but it's really the first job. You know, going home and making sure mom's okay. How did your day go? Um, did the kids drive you crazy? And um, making sure that, you know, her heart's, heart's in the right place and, you know, you got to play with the kids. You know, Silas likes to play with his monster trucks. Hey, can you play with me? Um, or can you fix this? Uh, he's broken something. I want you to fix it. And, you know, sometimes I got to tell him that there's not enough duct tape and super glue to put this back together. <laughs> so we've got to figure out how to get you something else to play with. Um, and I think as, as a dad, it's, it's, for me, it's exciting to think about, you know, I can point him to Jesus, the one that can fix all the things that are broken in our lives. And, that's something I look forward to, is to being being able to, to point him and Eleanor to Jesus. And, you know, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to do things that I can, but like Eric was saying, I'm going to fall short, you know, and there's somebody that doesn't fall short and that you can put your trust in. So that, that's something I'm excited to think about and to be able to grow in. Awesome. Amen. I think for me, um, 
you know, a lot of it is just how can I follow the Lord? You know, how can I pursue him? How can I run hard after him? What does it look like to um, sacrifice time, you know, you know, to leave behind family and lands and homes to pursue Jesus? And what does it look like just to be selfish and ignoring my family? Um, you know, I think, um, I think of a lot of things that the Lord has brought me through. You know, the, 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 the normal things that, that young men go through. And, um, battles with lust, battles with my pride. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest encouragements has been that verse, um, you know, in Psalms, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And it says, by guarding it according to your word. And so I've found so much. It's been amazing to me how over the few years that I've really been following Christ, um, I'd say like 15 maybe was when I started, so five-ish years, how God has transformed my heart and changed how I see these battles with, with lust, where, man, at the beginning, I loved it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the truth, is that my heart was wicked. My heart is still wicked in so many ways. And he had to teach me to hate it. And I remember um, one of the things over the years that was, one of the verses that was kind of the breaking point was um, in Ephesians 5, it says, I can't remember, it's that passage right at the beginning, like 1 through 14. Um, and, it, you know, that, that's where it says, let there be no filthy joking or crude talk among you, for that is unacceptable among the saints. And he keeps talking about, let there be no sexual immorality. Don't even be partnered with people who do these. And it says, because the people who do, do these things, basically their just reward is eternal punishment. Like their just reward is damnation. And thinking, how can I, as a son of the one true God, live in these things that the people who do them, the just reward is eternal damnation. And so, you know, it's, and it's crazy. I mean, my heart is so hard and so stubborn, and I have to read these things a hundred times and be convicted of them a hundred times before, you know, it, they finally sink in. Um, but it's been amazing because I have, you know, it, it's worked. You know what I mean? It's worth. There's been freedom. There's been victory. And, you know, it's funny that you shared that verse, Galatians 1.10, because that was another verse that kind of hit me like a truck. Um, because I was, had, I was just so proud and so caught up in being, you know, the funniest guy, the coolest guy, the best musician, the best soccer player, the best. Um, and it's like, and I just did all these things so people would like me more. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, am I a servant of Christ or am I a servant of people? And if I'm going to live my life in a way that I am a servant of people, I'm not a disciple of Christ. And so that, I remember reading that verse and being like, oh my gosh. If I apply Paul's standard to myself, I'm not a disciple of Christ. And this has got to change right away. Um, so it's been amazing seeing how God has brought me out of these things and so much more, I'm sure, to come. Um, I'm confident. Um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say next. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Uh, <laughs> I really had to, Yeah, yeah, no, so bringing me out of, okay, actively disobeying him in my actions and my deeds into, okay, I'm going to try to obey him. And there it's like at every single step I encounter my pride. You know, I, I have a 
deliver a great message at youth group, and it's like, man, that was a goodness. I, I kind of rule. It's like, no, you don't. Like, everything, Stephen is so fond of saying, like, man, all this stuff we're teaching at Lifeline, we just learned, like, a week ago. Like, what the heck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and they're like, wow, you guys, and it's like, no, we really don't know what we're doing. So it's been amazing seeing how, and, man, Stephen as well, Stephen and Ethan, who isn't here, but getting to walk beside them as well has been such an encouragement, having them as brothers who can, you know, share what we're struggling with, what, you know, be accountable with one another, confess our sins to one another, pray for one another, and we spend so much time, when we can get it, just walking around, catching up, and encouraging one another, and praying for one another, and it's so sweet getting to have that fellowship, and that, that bond um, with them, and then getting to serve with them, so th- those have been some, I guess, challenges, and then the ways that the Lord has just blessed me through them, and helped me to overcome them by His power, Another panelist. (laughs) I'm good. I got a mic. Yeah. All right. One. uh, Thanks, man. That that was great, guys. Um, One more question to to kind of wrap us up. Um, We've been, you know, using this idea of of what a a a real man is, right? R E A L man, one who rejects passivity, expects God's blessing, uh, accepts responsibility, and leads courageously. Um, So, just want to get your all's thoughts on like which one of those has stood out to you, and how is God shaping you and molding you in that in that area? Yeah, so I think for me, um, probably rejecting passivity has been the one, you know, I mentioned it's so easy for me to be like, man, I just got too much work to do. I got to stay up in my room and do homework all day. And then when I'm not in my room and practicing piano, and you know, it's like, sorry, family, I can't spend time with you. But just realizing that God has given me the family that he's given me, well, he's given it to me. So it's clearly the best family that for me that I could have, even if I don't like it sometimes. Um, so how can I be faithful with that? How can I actually, you know, sow seeds? I don't want to be like the servant who buried his coin in the ground. You know, I want to double it. You know, I want to reap a harvest. Um, so that's been one thing. How can I do this? And then in service of the Lord, too, how can I be, um, and something that what James and I have been working with a lot, how can I be an ambassador for Christ at my college? And that's hard because I barely see anybody there right now. Um, But, you know, it's so, so easy for me to just sit back and be like, man, I'm just learning more about God. I can read books about, like, theology or something like that and feel like I'm really smart. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, that I need to be a disciple who's making disciples. And it's so easy to just be like, that's okay. You know, I don't need to worry about that. But that has been a challenge for me um, the last Really this year, I feel like it's been like, okay, how are we going to do this? How am I, because I need to be intentional about doing it, or I do not do it. Like, I just, I won't. And so, um, I think for me, that's been the big one recently. Cool. Uh, so for me, I think it's uh, leadership um, in the different uh, phases of my life. Um, obviously, family, uh, you know, with my neighbors and with my coworkers and with, I guess, family, we talked, have talked a lot about that this morning. And past weeks about you know what what the um father's role and husband's role is with the family and um i thought i recently asked amber uh, what she wanted me to do for her for um mother's day and she said you know i just want one hour that i can just be by myself and i'm going is that is that a trick or is that a trap <laughs> or is, is a... <laughs> but it, it's it's those moments the little things that mike was talking about like what are some of the little things that i can do to um, to kind of 
give her a break from the kids, for instance, or what can I do to, to um, serve her, to um, help her along with, with her day and the things that she may be struggling with. And um, certainly spiritually with the kids, um, doing things uh, at night, like doing the bath time routine with Silas is kind of my role uh, when I get home and get done with work and you know, doing the family devotional. And I think for me, it, sometimes I have it in my head that I've got these expectations of this is how I, I have to do things and how things have to go. And you've got him running around right before bed and we're trying to read you know, a Bible story and we're trying to sing and he's playing with his trucks and it doesn't seem like he's really paying attention. But recently I've seen him, you know, he knows, he knows Jesus, doesn't necessarily know who Jesus is yet, but he knows Jesus with some of the songs we sing him. Um, and he actually starting to sing along with some of the songs and we'll say like, you know, what do you want us to sing? You want to sing Jesus loves me or Jesus loves the little children. He's like, no, no, I want uh, the sailboat song, you know, the, the Peter, James and John in the sailboat. And, as one of his favorites, but um, just being able to do those things to, to kind of teach him, and it, it may not look perfect with how we do it, but it is having an impact, and he is listening, and he is picking things up, and um, with uh, the, the verse I was thinking about was Proverbs 22, 6, is train up your children in the way, they, train up your child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it, so just continuing to do those things, and and watching God work through it, and God will honor it when you continue to do the things that he teaches us in his word. And uh, certainly, like, like I was saying, being present, and um, I had heard somebody say one time that he wants to be the hero at home and not the hero at work, and that's resonating with me, and I've kind of continued to think about that, that I want to be the hero at home, and I want to be there for the kids and for Amber, and I want to be the one that they rely on. And... Um, you know, just thinking about, you know, the, the opportunity that I'm going to have, hopefully, with, you know, coaching Silas in soccer or sports or whatever it is he decides or, you know, taking Eleanor to daddy-daughter dances and on dates and things like that to, to, to be the example that, you know, this is what the husband and father looks like to Silas and here's how you should treat women and, and ultimately the wife if that's what God has for you. And to show Eleanor that this is an example of what, you should be looking for in a man and who should pursue you and if it's not to this standard then if it's below this bar then you shouldn't you shouldn't allow that that guy to pursue you and um, just thinking about uh, with the neighbors how can I be an example to dads and um, other men in our community and kind of walk along alongside them to help them to you know do things for their families and how do you um, work with the families to to make them um, flourish like like Mike was saying and um, with my coworkers, um, I, I often tell them I have the two jobs like I mentioned earlier and the, the more important job is the family and I, I try to encourage them to think the same way you know we we have things we do at work but th it'll be there tomorrow you know and we'll figure out how to make it work and if you have to you know do this above your family then then I think we're looking at it the wrong way and um, as a leader within the office, I want to be different from some of the other leaders in the office when they say, you know, work is more important. I want to say family is more important and what you do at home is more important than what we do here. Amen. And um, so those are some of the things that I've, I've kind of been thinking about and kind of where I'm at. And it's, it's, it's challenging. It's hard. Um, it's certainly not easy. Um, I struggle with it. And 
it, it's encouraging to see a lot of uh, these guys up here and um, others within uh, Oak Ridge that are, are great examples of that. And to be able to learn from them has been something that's been very encouraging to me. Awesome. Expecting God's reward is is definitely the the kicker for me. Uh, my my biggest struggle is is to to trust that God's reward is better than man's reward. That the praise of God is better than the praise of man. And um, John the Baptist has been on my mind a lot. You know, here's a man who is is the opposite of the American dream. You know, he he wears ugly and uncomfortable clothes. He eats bugs, he lives in the wilderness, um, and his job is odd to the world, and, but, but the Bible says that he's great in the eyes of God, and um, that even Jesus says, you know, no, no one born of woman is better than, than John the Baptist. And so not only has that affected me personally and, and what I value, but it's, it's also affected my parenting. Um, I think all of all parents, you know, want their children to be great, you know, at everything that they do. You know, I want, I want my kids to be the best at sports. You know, I want them to be, um, you know, popular and, and, you know, when they grow up to be financially successful and have a good job. And, um, but um, do, I, do I want that um, in, in a selfish way? You know, like I'm, I'm valuing what the, what the world values. And so, Every day I have this decision of, okay, how am I going to, what am I going to communicate to my children? You know, am I, am I going to communicate that, um, that uh, yeah, that being popular is what's best? Or am I going to, to um, do I want them to be great in the eyes of God um, instead of the eyes of man? And um, there was even uh, an example of um, something that I was able to see as a child, one of my one of my brothers was uh, very, very good at, at soccer and had the opportunity to play for an elite league. And um, so we were really excited about it. Well, I was like four, so I didn't know what being excited meant. Um, but but my, my parents were really excited about it, and then they found out that they played on Sundays. And, and so uh, my parents made the decision that no, Sunday is going to be the Lord's Day, and so we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going to put you in this league. And shortly thereafter, he, he quit soccer. And so in, in the eyes of man, you know, we see that as a failure. You know, he could have been a great soccer mm -hmm. player. Um, but, you know, to, to value what, what God values and to... Um, to put, you know, his kingdom over ours, I think, um, I, as an adult, I look back and think, man, what, what ways did God bless our family because my parents said, no, we're going we're gonna to trust God and we're going to expect God's reward. And so, um, yeah, just still wanting that to be, um, to be uh, you know, at the pillar the pillar of my life of, of how am I going to expect God's reward and, and, you know, build God's kingdom instead of my own. So when I uh, first saw the acronym of real and reject passivity, lead courageously, I thought, I am crushing that. I am crushing this. So, and honestly, I think maybe I'm going to go a little different than these guys. I'm going to say, you can, a guy can be a little too real, maybe. Um, and I think something that we need to kind of pair with these, like I said, the sliding scales of you know, leading courageously and rejecting passivity is 
like being hyper aggressive and always taking ownership of everything. And, and so I'd like to also, you know, add in humility somewhere into that, just because I feel like in my life, clearly, you know, I, no one's ever said Tom is super passive. I wish he would just step up more. Um, so I think that we need to make sure that um, as guys, we're still being humble and we're following the example that Christ set before us with respect to humility and um, just being listening to others. And honestly, I, the, um, the verse about considering others greater than yourselves, Philippians 2, 3, it's just been really kind of uh, really impacting my life lately. And just considering my brothers and my sisters who are around me greater than me is just something that we need to be doing as men as well. Um, and we should be absolutely doing these, these, you know, rejecting passivity. And, but if you're, if you're similar in nature with me and you just naturally do that and you need to calm it down a lot, then, uh, I would, I would recommend to just add on humility to that. I don't know. It doesn't really create a word. I couldn't think of an H in there, but I think we should kind of consider that when we consider the real man thing. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much guys. Um, would y'all join me just affirming the glory of God in their lives and, and how he's shaping and molding them? Thanks, brothers. Let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then um, and the worship team's going to come back up. God, thank you for uh, today, a chance to be um, with your people, God, celebrating who you are, what you've done for us, and the person and work of, of Christ, and how that uh, impacts and infiltrates every uh, corner of our lives, God, and uh, especially um, as we're looking at this area of manhood and the high uh, calling that you've placed on us, Lord, to lay our lives down uh, for you and for others. And uh, we just ask that, that you would be the, the motivation uh, that we have, that we would lean on your power and your sufficiency uh, as we pursue these things, God, and that you would be uh, glorified in our lives, Lord, as we try to walk more fully in how you've designed us as men. And we thank you and we praise your beautiful name. In Jesus' name, amen.